Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem. We're going to do a new series here on the show, so I'm really looking forward to it. It's looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's from uh, the Bible, and it's not about any kind of religion or you need to join this religion or be a Christian to understand this. This is all about love and forgiveness. So if love and forgiveness is something that you think will bring value to your own personal life, will bring value to the world around you, like your neighbor or your uh, culture that you're a part of or your neighborhood or whatever it is that you have interpersonal relationship with, if you think that amplifying the love and forgiveness through your presence would be valuable, then I think these episodes are going to be great for you. So today is part one for the series. Part one for the series, it's called The Blessings of Death and the Poor in Spirit. Whoa, that took a big turn, right? Y'all were like, oh, I thought we're talking about love and forgiveness. I think it'll be clear when we get into it. So this week on the show, The Blessings of Death and the Poor in Spirit, and this is all from the Sermon on the Mount series, a series to amplify love and forgiveness in our lives, right here on Revealing the Diamond. Let's get into it. Before we get into the show, I just want to give an update about Revealing the Diamond. I've been doing the Friday and Sunday release for the show, and as things get busier in the Reveal family circle, and I start to go online and teach more, and also have some retreat opportunities upcoming, the two-a-days is going to be a bit much for the full-length podcast. But Fret not if you love having the two shows per week. I am still going to release a YouTube video every Friday. So if you want to see the YouTubes on Friday, I just recorded one today. It's all about how to stop drinking for good. It's really a wonderful uh, resource if you know anyone who wants to stop drinking. So there's still going to be a YouTube video that comes out on Fridays. And the podcast is still going to come out on Sundays, the full length, like the one you're listening to right now. And there's also going to be meditations on Insight Timer that come out on Fridays. So if you want to meditate with me, you're good. Friday, you just go to Insight Timer, follow Tiago Prem, and we can meditate together. Or, you know, you, you want that Friday dose, not to worry, just go to Revealing the Diamond on YouTube, check out the latest video. It's all good. And then the podcast, the full length, which is free, it will always be free, is going to be available for y'all on Sundays. So thank you for moving with me as I kind of find my way uh, with our new home and our new routine. Um, I'm really, really excited about what's happening in the Reveal community. Um, I'll put the link in the bio. You can become a member of our living room, Tiago Prem's living room or the Reveal living room. Anyone can join. I put all of the uh, articles that I'm writing for Medium on there and uh, we can be in communication. That's also where you join our recovery circles. That's gonna start up here in March, so I'm looking forward to getting the recovery work coming uh, happening again. And then that's also where Reveal happens. So that's where we meditate together, practice yoga together, group mentoring together, all of that. So I'll put the link in the bio but so that you can follow along there and become a member, all right? So check it out, check out the living room, check out the recover, check out the reveal program. 
If you want information on all of this, all you have to do is go to tiagaprem.com and check out the community tab and it's all happening right there. I also wanna let you know that mentorship programs are really the fastest way to dive into this. So whether you're a person in recovery or whether you're a person who's teaching yoga and meditation, you wanna be able to share more philosophy, more ancient wisdom, you would like a accountability partner in your sadhana, or you would like some more routines in your life to give you more strength, more vibrancy, more clarity, more devotional practice, heal some of your relationships, work on your communication, increase your income in your business, whatever it might be, for me, mentorship is really the key. And if you'd like to try it out, or maybe you're already mentoring and you'd like to work with somebody else, go to tiagaprem.com and become one of the mentorship students. I'm, I'm telling you, this is really the ticket if you wanna up level uh, on the work that you're doing. Just go to tiagaprem.com and check out the mentorship tab today. Lastly, I would like to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to the Minds Dye for being a sponsor of the show for a long time now. Minds Dye makes custom dyed fabrics. She can do anything, kimonos, bed sheets, t-shirts, full sweatsuit outfits, whatever you need done, curtains, uh, she can do anything. And she ships internationally, so wherever you live, she can do that for you. You can find Minds Dye on the Etsy store, M-I-N-D, M-I-N-D, like your mind, dye like to dye fabric. Check out her work today. Okay, so as I mentioned in the intro, we're beginning this series, and this is part one of the series where we're exploring the Sermon on the Mount. And I mentioned in the intro, if you're like, oh, wow, he's really doing the like Jesus and the Bible thing, and I don't know if I really want to do that. So I would challenge you to just keep an open mind, you know, critical, be a critical thinker. But keep an open mind and stick with this because this is really about love and forgiveness. And I feel like this is going to expand hearts and open minds. And that's what I'm all about. And that's why I want to share it. So this is a Sermon on the Mount series. And, and maybe you've never heard about this before. Or maybe, you know, and we're also going to drop some Buddha in there and some Guru Nanak and Krishna and, and keep it really inclusive. And that's what I'm all about. So that's just the disclaimer for today's show. And it's got a really fun title. The title is The Blessings of Death and the Poor in Spirit. So it's got like a kind of like a heavy metal kind of vibe to it. And you all know me, you know, I have a, a Lemmy tattoo from Motorhead. I also have a Guru Nanak uh, tattoo and other spiritual tattoos, prayer hands. And that's really what, you know, I'm, I'm really engaged in this work of seeing the spiritual and everything, seeing the love and everything as best I can in an honest way, you know, not just pretending everything's fine, recognizing that there is suffering. That's, you know, part of the recovery work but not being so bogged down that I'm not able to show up and love and serve. And, and I'm unwilling to forgive because I'm so uh, weighted down by the pain of the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of you going through that over these past couple of years too, just feeling like you can't go on or there's so much anxiety or depression or addiction or sickness or loss or, you know, all of these things. And, and love really is the remedy. It really is the remedy. And that's what I, why I do what I do and, and why I share what I share. It's like, what are the, uh, 
practices, uh, teachings, um, lifestyle routines that are inspiring love and forgiveness in my life so that I can recover the relationship with my true self and go out and, and be of service to the world, however that is, whether it's talking to somebody that you know, has been addicted to crystal meth or alcohol or talking to somebody who wants to deepen their knowledge of traditional yogic texts or uh, you know, increase their strength or, and flexibility or uh, heal their relationship or, you know, there's just so many aspects. And um, I love that, you know, the, the understanding for me personally that recovery and spirituality are synonymous terms because really what's happening is you're recovering a relationship with self, you're recovering a relationship with God, even if you don't believe in God, and we'll get there. Um, it's just recovering this relationship with your inner knower, with who you really are. Uh, that's what yoga is for me. That's what um, my faith is for me. And that's what recovery work is. They, they're the same thing. And, and really, it's a holistic, integrated way of living and uh, looking at medicine work and looking at practices that can really serve. And something that's been really helpful for me, a lot of you know who've been listening to the, the podcast, um, is just revisiting my relationship with Jesus and the Bible and studying it in a way that is not about is this true or not true, taking things literally, being a fundamentalist, um, blocking out any of the experiences that I had with other traditions. I'm not going there. I'm looking for the through line of truth. I'm looking for the love and the uh, unity and the lesson by taking different angles and learning the language and and the ultimate goal is to connect to God, which is love. And in order to do that, there is going to have to be, I would say is going to have to be, for most of us, some forgiveness practice. That's what it's about. So shall we get into today's episode? Let's do it. So some of you may be listening and going like, well, I'm I've never even heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's a great place to, st to start, like with an open mind, you know, like the fool in the tarot deck, the zero, the let's just see what happens. Um, and then some of you may have heard of it, but, you know, you're not, you know, you're neither here nor there. Others may be inspired by it. And then there's probably some range in between. And, oh, I forgot. Some of you may be also like, I don't really want to hear this. And I've uh, I've encouraged you to stick around, and if you're still here, then that means that you've agreed to that. And if you're not, then uh, bless you, I love you, and that's all I can say. Um, so the Sermon on the Mount, you may know it's from the Bible, and uh, you may also know that it's from a teaching that uh, Jesus gave. And it, oh, by the way, before I dive into the to the chat, I do want to let you know that this is also an article on Medium. So if you don't follow me on Medium yet, you can get it on Medium. It's a great app, place to read articles. And it's also in my journal on tiagaprem.com. So you can, uh, you can read this if you prefer, or you can do both. You may be uh, listening to this and, and really questioning, like, why should I care about this Sermon on the Mount? Like, I'm not a Christian, nor do I want to sign up to be a Christian. And Again, I can't say it enough. Open your mind and heart. Let's explore this message. It's a message of hope. It's just as relevant today as it was when it was spoken a long, long time ago. 
And the message in this particular teaching that I'm sharing today is not about religion, nor is it about being a good Christian. In fact, it's not even about being a Christian at all. It's about who you are. So it's a teaching about grace. Grace being a love beyond logic, a love without condition. When I say love uh, beyond logic, I like the way those words sound together. What I'm saying is, is like the logical part of love is like, this person was kind to me, and so I'll be kind back to them. That's logical, you know? And if somebody is, is, is mean to me, I'll be mean back to them. That's a logical approach. Like, you do this, and I do the same back to you. Whereas the love beyond logic part is the, you harmed me, I'm going to still love you. That's a hard one to wrap your head around. Okay, that's a, because it's not a head thing. And that doesn't mean that you, know, you, you engage in some kind of like harmful behavior and you allow it to keep happening. Because there isn't really love in that. You're allowing that person to continue to participate in abusive behavior. And you're not loving yourself enough to remove yourself from the situation. And that becomes a whole mess because the love is not allowed to... Uh, you know, put up boundaries or to protect, and, and love does that. Love protects, protects us, protects others. That's a big part of love. So love beyond logic is a love without condition, the grace of God being love. Like it says in 1 John 4, 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So, you know, there are people out there, religious people, who are finding it real hard to love, especially love beyond logic not not just your kids you know some of us may even find it hard to love our spouse but I, i'm talking about loving other people that maybe you don't know or maybe even people who harmed you and and right there it's saying in the bible but anyone who does not love does not know god for god is love and so anytime you hear me say god today if that word makes the hair on your neck stand up it makes you mad just replace it with love. And we're going to do that together a bunch of times. But if that happens for you, just put the G word with the love word. It will help heal. It also says in uh, John, 1 John 4 that we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in the love of God. God is love and all who live in love live in, uh, live in God and God lives in them. Okay. So God is love. That's the, that's the biblical teaching, you know, in case you're interested. And, and God being the presence that is never absent. It means it's always there. It's an immeasurable love that knows no bounds. So omnipresent, presence that is never in absence. God, God is love. Love is everywhere, all the time even if we cannot feel it, okay? And yet, many people connected to this book, the Bible, have tried to bind and limit this supreme love, and in doing so, have, brought, have bought, and yet many people who are connected to this book or this library of books, the Bible, uh, have tried to bind and limit this supreme love. And in doing so, have bought and sold salvation. 
like the money changers in the temple. And you can read all about this. Go in the Bible, Matthew 21, 12 to 13, Mark 11, 15 to 18, Luke 19, 45 to, to 46, John 2, 13 to 17, you know, when Jesus storms into the temple and there are people uh, selling and created a marketplace inside of the uh, inside of the church and he drives them out. I think about how people are buying and selling this concept of salvation. Like, if you do this, then you get that. That ain't love, my friends. And God is love. You see what I'm saying about chasing that out of the temple? This notion that if you are good enough, then you receive love from your creator? I don't buy it. I don't buy it, and I'm here to chase it out of the temple. Should we chase that out of the temple today? You know, the... This fear-driven, confusing, love-like doctrine, it's been appropriated to manipulate and enforce rules, dogma, and religiosity over and over and over again, and many people have been hurt in this process. They've been hurt physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and as a result, the supreme love that is G-O-D has been ignored and pushed out of people's lives, deeming that God a.k.a. love, is unnecessary, is harmful, is outdated. Because of the behavior of folks saying that you got to do this in order to receive salvation. Manipulation, exploitation, systems of oppression, corruption in government and religious establishments, yeah, those are all unnecessary, harmful, and outdated right? Like, I don't want to be exploited by government or oppressive systems or, you know, religious establishments that are telling you that they're doing one thing and they're doing the other behind your back. Like, we don't want that. Those things are unnecessary, harmful, and outdated. No thanks. I think we'll all have a hard pass on that. Yet how can love be unnecessary, harmful, or outdated? We need love to survive. It's a basic human right. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, like we said at the start of the show, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, we can reread that and put God in there just for fun, too. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy, does not boast, is not proud does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. We'll get to that. That's a good one. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And we're going to break that down. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or proud, despite what you may have heard, you know, especially on those Near East traditions from the Abrahamic traditions. God is not self-seeking, so God does not need you to sing praises or make offerings. That's a gift for you. 
God doesn't need you to tell God how great they are. Love doesn't need you to tell love how great love is. It's a gift for you to experience. Love is a gift for you to experience. Devotion is a gift for you to experience. And if you need to express that by sending it out to this being that is far beyond anything that we can understand, and it brings you a sense of wholeness, that's for you. And keep doing it. That feeling that you get when you worship and pour your heart out with loving devotion, it's for you. It's God's gift for you. You know what I mean? That feeling that you get when you feel music in your soul that makes you want to laugh and cry at the same time, that's love's gift for you. It's not about you have to do this because that's not love. And Jesus seems to say that God doesn't really get angry here and does not hold a record of wrongs. Well, I guess that takes care of the whole hell conversation. Love does not hold a record of wrongs. God is love. God does not hold a record of wrongs. So that whole hell thing, I don't know, doesn't seem to add up here, my friends. That's right there in the Bible. God is love. God does not delight in evil. Oh, evil. This is a good one to explore. What's the deal with evil anyway? It sounds like a like a segment from like a game show or something like that. You know, I was thinking about like, what's the deal with evil anyway? And, and like the Batman sign pops up or something like that. Um, one definition in the Merriam-Webster dictionary is evil is causing harm or injury to someone. Evil is causing harm or injury to someone. So if God does not delight in evil, that means God's not into causing injury or harm to anyone. Causing injury and harm to others is evil. Wouldn't this be cent- central to yoga, like the central tenet of yoga, ahimsa? Ahimsa, which means cause no harm to others, a.k.a. compassion. And yoga, the word yoga, means oneness with God. So essentially, if we go way back and look at its definition before the yoga pants and the guru scandals of today, you see that by practicing compassion, doing our best not to harm others, we are connecting to God, a.k.a. yoga. Good to know. So a yoga practice is a practice of connecting with God. God is love. So we're doing a practice to really connect with love. Sounds like a spiritual practice. Sounds like a good idea. What do you think? <laughs> and, and since we're talking evil, this might be a good idea to take a look at sin as well. You know, sin and evil. We're getting biblical. Let's talk about sin and evil. Uh, we often refer to sin as, you know, not following the rules of the Bible. Oh, you didn't follow the rules of the Bible, so you're a sinner. And some people like to poke fun at that, and other people are deeply afraid of that. But when you look at the etymology of the word and its history, you'll find that sin means to lose your way. When I hear lose your way, I think, you know, to go off track. What track exactly? Well, the unique calling for your life. You're born with a mission. And that mission is revealed with deeper clarity the more you make yourself available to God, a.k.a. love. And so when you wander off the path, which we do, like anybody listening to this, have you wandered off the path of love before? Like even some, like your sweetheart, you've wandered off the path of love. Like 
they just are driving you mad or you say something mean because you're hungry or, you know, whatever it might be, we wander off the path. That's, that's the concept of free will. Like love is there. It's always there. It's the presence that is never in absence. It's always there. And you get to choose whether you participate in that. And sometimes it's hard because of hormonal issues or conditional issues like you know, we're tired or, you know, something awful has happened, somebody's sick or has died, and we, we behave in a way that we, we don't really want to choose that, but we choose it because of our conditions. That's the free will piece. And it causes injury or harm to ourself or others. And then we'll need to repent, <laughs> which does not mean get right with the church or the priest. I mean, unless that works for you, then do that. But it, that's so limiting. That's not... If you go off the track of what it means to love and be in alignment with your calling in this life, your mission that God or love has given you, <laughs> and you need to get back on track, you know, how would you do to get back on track with your purpose, with God, a.k.a. love? To repent is a return to love and a healing of sin, how you fell away from love in the first place. That's what, it, that's what we're talking about here. But it's become this whole other thing, the way organizations and groups and people have been confused, have sort of lost the meaning. Recognizing, of course, that God being omnipresent, a presence that is never in absence, was and is and always will be there, no matter how many times you leave the path, no matter how many times you get distracted and wander off the path because of ego, or a.k.a. the devil, which follows the influence of free will, right? Hence the statement, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You all know who said that, right? Thy will, the will of God, the will of love. Get back to love. That's what repent is about. I fell off of love. That's what the sin is about. Let's get back to love. Love is all you need. Love is all there is. Love, 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 love. I have a teacher in, in my life who said, you know, life is an ocean or a sea of love. And all that is required for that to be a reality is your participation. You know, he says that God rejoices in truth in that passage. When you live with an honest heart, you're one with love. You're actively participating in love. And love protects. It's trustworthy. It's filled with hope and always perseveres, meaning that God will never give up on you. Despite what you might have heard, maybe even read in the Bible, the idea is we're going to give up on ourselves. We're going to give up on each other. That's a sin. And we're being called to repent, get back on track. With love. Love is there. And all that is required for us to connect is our participation. And guess what? Even if we don't participate, love is still there. It never goes out of style, aka it could never be outdated. Our concept of love becomes outdated as we learn to step more into the fullness of love. You know, I'm, I'm loving a little bit. I'm loving myself a little bit. I'm loving my neighbor a little bit. I'm loving this person who harmed me a little bit, but it's really hard. 
But if we practice, 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 what we thought of as our capacity to love expands. And it's always full. It's just how we relate to it based on our conditions and our willingness to forgive. Our understanding of God becomes outdated as we learn to live in the fullness of love. Oh, I thought that God was judging me. Oh, I thought that, you know, all of these pains that I'm experiencing in my life are because of God. Maybe they're because of us forgetting who we are. Maybe at the root of all the suffering is us forgetting who we are. Yes, pain is part of life. You know, nobody here is going to go through pain, uh, life without any pain. But we can create a loving relationship with suffering. That's compassion, empathy. Muy importante during this time. So, good intro to God is love, just to get, just to get the groundation, the established um, understanding that this is not about conversion or heaven and hell and none of that. It's about God is love. And then we're going to dig into the Sermon on the Mount from there. Like I said, this is about love and forgiveness. So that's the intro. So a little background before we dig into this, okay? A little background before we dig into this. Now, Jesus heals the sick. It says in the Bible, Jesus heals the sick. Before he gives the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to look at today, before he gives the Sermon on the Mount, it says this, Jesus heals the sick. People from all over Syria are coming uh, to be with him, and they're coming to him with all kinds of diseases and pain, and he's healing them. Those with demons and the paralyzed, they're standing up to walk, and people who are possessed, maybe it's mental illness or something like that, uh, are liberated. They're free from their suffering. They stand up and walk, maybe if there's some something happening, like they're uh, involuntary screaming or whatever it is, shaking, it goes away. It's, they're being healed. So it's a big, big deal. So there are large crowds of people from Galilee, from the Greek region, Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and a region across the Jordan River. So it's a big mix of people, and they've gathered around Jesus to receive healing. This means, be clear on this, Lots of different people, Hebrews, Greeks, Jews, non-Jews, and many other demographics have all gathered around to be healed by Jesus. That's the background. So this is before he shares this teaching that we're looking at today. What makes this interesting is that many of the groups have been told, primarily by religious authorities, that they are not to spend time with those people. Are we dealing with that right now? The people who have the V, the people who don't have the V, the people who want mandates, the people who don't want mandates, the people who are on the left versus the people who are on the right. Don't talk to those people. Don't be involved with those people. Those people are this. Politicians are saying that. Those people are like this. So people have been influenced by that. But in this particular situation, they're all gathered in the name of healing, in the name of being healed. They're all hanging around because they want to be healed from their pain and suffering, or they're observing healing going on, or maybe even they're, you know, cynics. They're cynical about what's happening. 
This is important symbolism because everyone is there together for healing. Beyond dogma, beyond religion, beyond life's conditions, etc. Anything that is dualistic, I'm a this and you're a that, is being dissolved because of healing. Otherness is being dissolved in the name of healing. And the text says that Jesus goes up on the side of a mountain with a small group of disciples, students, apprentices, people he is mentoring, and they gather around him to hear what he has to say. This, of course, is happening around a mass of humans who have gathered to receive healing from Jesus. There are religious people, non-religious people, prostitutes, people who have already been healed, a real mixed bag of humans. And it is in this setting that Jesus begins his famous Sermon on the Mount, what we're here to talk about today on Revealing the Diamond. Let's take a break, and we'll get back to it. I want to let you all know about this great course that I have. It's called the Quick Fix 6. Anyone can do it. It's about establishing a regular daily yoga practice for anybody. You can be very, very experienced or not experienced at all. There are video versions of it. There are audio versions of it. It's very affordable. So please check it out at tiagaprem.com and practice with me today. Also, I want to let you know that I have two things coming up. The first is a webinar. It's called the eight steps for living or it's called the eight steps to living freely as you. Webinar, Eight Steps to Living Freely as You. It's happening in the beginning of March. And then after that, I'm really excited about this. I have finished my transcreation of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and I'm going to teach a four-week course on the Yoga Sutras. We're going to do a deep dive. There's going to be practices involved. There's going to be live sessions with myself, and you get a copy of the book. So if this is something that excites you, I recommend doing both of these. Do the webinar that's happening in the beginning of March. And then for four weekends later in March and into April, we're going to dive into the Yoga Sutras. It's going to be awesome. I'm super stoked. And it's going to be great to share with you my transcreation of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. You can get all the info at tiagaprem.com. Check it out today. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so as I mentioned before the break, um, this is where the setting, okay, there's this mask of group of people, all different kinds of people, very religious, not religious at all, prostitutes, tax collectors, people who have just been healed, people that are seeking to be healed, people from different regions and classes and demographics and all of that. So a real mixed bag of humans, a mass gathering of them. Jesus has gone up onto the side of a mountain with a small group of his followers uh, disciples, people he's mentoring, and they're listening to this teaching that he's about to give. It's sometimes called uh, the Beatitudes. Um, Jesus wouldn't have called that it that historically, but it's something that, uh, you know, if you talk to somebody in contemporary culture, that would be a popular name that's used, and that's great. If that resonates with you, then, you know, it, it's also a great way to be like the Beatitudes, and people go, oh yeah, I know what that is. Uh, but this is 
more just a, a teaching that's given. It's a very important teaching. It's a powerful teaching. It's just as relevant today than it, as it was way back then, and it's moved me in an incredible way, especially looking out at what's happening in our world today. Uh, I think we really need the essence of these teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm stoked to be able to share them uh, via Revealing the Diamond. So that's kind of where we're at with the story, and uh, we'll, we'll look at a couple of the lines today in part one, and then next week we'll get into part two. Um, if you love the show, share it with a friend. If you know someone who could benefit with the, uh, from this, share it with a friend. Rate the show, review the show. The best way to support this show really is to tell people about it and just be like, this is really helping. I love it. You know, and, and then from there, if you can get into a course or do work with me so I can continue to share this with you um, and, and, you know, or come down to Mexico, do some training or a retreat or a detox or anything like that. Um, that's a great way to keep this mission going forward so we can bring love and forgiveness into the world with this work. So if you're feeling called to connect, Tiago Prem at TiagoPrem.com. We can go from there. So. The first line is, and I love the first line. I did, this is why the part one has to be mostly about the first line, and then we'll get into the death part, because, you know, who doesn't like a good spiritual talk on death and dying? I mean, let's get real here. So the first line is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, it, it's interesting when you hear that, poor in spirit. Blessed is the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? The poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. I mean, poor in spirit, what does that mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make you feel great. Like, if you're like, how are you doing today to somebody? And they re replied, I'm poor in spirit today. I mean, that doesn't sound like they're doing well. You know what I mean? Uh, poor in spirit. And, and what he's referring to, and you can make a long list of this, but I'll just pick a few. The hopeless, the depressed, the broken, the addicted, those who are feeling defeated, like they don't know where to turn. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. There's not, it's not an honorable way to feel, like you're not feeling really positive about being poor in spirit. And yet here's Jesus saying that, you know, when you're feeling broken like this, you are blessed. Now, what does that mean? When I was really struggling with addiction in my life, and you've heard this in the previous episodes of the show, uh, when I was really struggling and at my worst and at my bottom, I did not feel blessed at all. So what does he mean by blessed is, are the poor in spirit? The word blessed here is God's way of saying, I'm with you. I got you. You're covered. You're covered. I've definitely had that experience, you know, where I did everything I could to separate myself from God. And yet when I would be at my worst, hungover, strung out on drugs, at the end of my rope, I would still cry out to God. It's like somehow I knew that there was something out there or something in here it actually turned out to be. But then I was so poor in spirit that I thought there's no way there could be anything good in me. So I was looking outside of myself, and I'm still working on that, by the way. It's a, it's a work in progress. Something out there could help me. Something in here knew how to help me. 
And, and that's the same for you. If you're listening to this and you just feel like there must be something out there, a teacher, a mentor, a religion, a sober lifestyle, something out there is going to save me. It, it is in you, even though you might not believe it, it is in you. It may feel out there and maybe you start there. Maybe you start by looking outside, looking to something out there. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. That worked for me. But, you know, when I, when I was really, really uh, in my rock bottom, I would still cry out to God as if some part of me knew that the uh, presence, the presence, the love, love beyond logic was never absent, that my inner knower was always there. And this call for blessing is an announcement. It's a declaration. It's not a deal. It's not a, well, you know, if you go to church every Sunday and then you'll, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Well, if you uh, sign at the dotted line, well, if you follow these particular rules and regulations, well, if you're a part of this group and not a part of that group, the othering, then the kingdom of heaven is yours. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Powerful. But I thought God's blessing was for the religious, the rule followers, the holy, the ones who have earned God's blessing. It's love, y'all. You can't earn love's blessing. Love is love. Jesus is reminding us that God is always there, even for the morally challenged, even for the ones who don't deserve it. No need for religion or dogma. You are already blessed. Say it with me. I am already blessed. Yes, that's it. That's how he begins this talk. You're already here. You're already loved. Love has always been here. It is the presence that is never in absence. That is what you were born out of. That's what you are now. That's what you will always be. I love the teaching from Guru Nanak in the Sikh tradition. Ad such, jugad such, habi such, nanakosi be such. You're born infinite. You're infinite your whole life. You will always be infinite, even now, forever. If we say infinite, okay, what if that, what if, is God infinite? Is infinity God? I mean, that kind of sounds like a God thing. Okay, cool. You are born with God. You're always with God. You're with God right now, and you will always be with God. Yeah, but, you know, is it infinite God? I mean, that word is kind of a loaded religious sort of term. Okay, let's flip it again. You're born in love. You will always be in love. Even right now, no matter, even if you don't feel like it. And you will always be that. Powerful, powerful stuff we're talking about here. It's a declaration that God is on the side of everybody especially those who are poor in spirit. Especially for the ones who don't deserve it, love beyond logic. You are already blessed. We said that. Say it again. I am already blessed. You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to do anything. That's a love beyond logic. That is the presence that is never absent. God is love. 
reminding us constantly that we are love. And our free will is we can choose to participate in that or not. But remember, very important sermon here for students of Jesus, friends of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's grace. You can't earn it. You just stand and wonder at it. Wow. I'm saved. Love is there for me always, no matter what. I just have to participate in it. But I don't know how to participate in it right now because my life sucks. I've been there. But it doesn't go away just because you can't feel it. You're learning to feel it. So bless you if you are poor in spirit today. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. And if you start shaming and saying you got to do this, and if you aren't on this side, then you aren't loved, or you aren't spiritual, or you aren't God, or your way is the wrong way, and all of that, that's holier-than-thou behavior. That's the rich in spirit. It doesn't say the rich in spirit. It says the poor in spirit, the ones who are struggling. And it's the central message of Jesus. That's what, that's what I've come home to. It feels so good to come home to grace. God did not come to judge or condemn us, but to save us with love. And love is here to be poured out in blessings for all of those who think they don't deserve it, the poor in spirit. We've been fed this deal-like, religiosity kind of love for generations. If you do this, then you'll get that. If you do this, then God loves you. If you do this, then you're saved. Mm -mm. Jesus is right here saying, nope, doesn't work like that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> God loves you. You are made in God's image. So there's love. And it's in you, and that's what you're born out of. It's who you are. Whether you participated in it or not, it will never leave you. You are loved. The unfaithful, loved. Those of you who have hurt others, loved. Those of you who've had an abortion, you're loved. Who struggle with addiction to drugs, alcohol, pornography, eating disorders, intergenerational trauma, loved. Contrary to what the church may have told you or what the actions of any church may have shown you, God is with you. Love is with you. You are loved. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it? Doesn't that feel good? And if it doesn't feel good, it's all good. Because that feeling of not feeling good is the poor in spirit. So you're still covered. Powerful. Love it. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. I, I hope you're loving this the, <laughs> as much as I'm loving this. And, and if you want to get the article, remember, check it out on the tiagopram.com journal and you can read it. Share it with your friends. Share it with anybody you know who says like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You need to love. I love you. Check this out. Read it. It's all about love.
listen to this. It's all about love. Love, we need love. And to forgive the rich in spirit. I forgive you. I just want to love you. We're all covered. We're good. We're, we got this. I know we all got stuff. We got pain. We hurt people. We, you know, we felt lost and confused and not good enough and broken. And we're loved. The next thing he does is he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here we hear Jesus say that those who mourn will be comforted. And we see similar messages about death in many of the wisdom traditions. Buddha speaks about not being seen by death's king. The Buddha says, how does one, how does one view the world so as not to be seen uh, by death's king? So this is somebody asking the Buddha. How does one view the world so as not to be seen by death's king? So how does one uh, show up in the world so that you're not impacted by death, in a sense. And the response that's given is, view the world as empty, always mindful to have removed any view about self. This idea of removing the view about self is similar to what we were talking about before. This idea that I'm a this and you're a that, that's a notion of self. Okay, Similar, but different language. This way, one is above and beyond death. This is how one views the world so as not to be seen by death's king. So dissolve any idea of separateness higher than or lower than. And you won't be affected by death in the same way. Or Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita speaks about death and mourning like this. The wise mourn for no one, neither the living nor the dead. Now, wait a second. Is he saying that, like, if somebody dies, you shouldn't feel any emotion and you shouldn't? It's not that. Mourn with people and know that in your mourning, you'll be comforted, as Jesus says. But also know that death is not final. It is for our intellectual thinking mind. There are aspects of the world and this planet that we live on, including our own brains, that we don't even come close to understanding. So how could we know what's going to happen on the other side of dying? If God loves all of us, it's got to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have a Tibetan teacher who said, uh, you, nobody knows for sure, for certain, what's going to happen on the other side of this life, on the big day. He called it the big day. One thing is for certain, he said, it'll be exciting. I love that. Or Guru Nanak from the Sikh tradition, he said, death would not be called bad, O people, if one knew how to truly die. And the mourning and the comfort for the morning, there's something deeper there. Yes, you will be comforted by the presence that is never in absence. That's love. Like when you're suffering, your friend died, your pet died, your sister died, your whoever, you lost your, bus your business during COVID, you, you know, whatever it is that you are grieving, you will be comforted. And also... There will be great comfort for you in knowing that you will rise again. That's the whole, the whole Jesus thing is about resurrection. 
The whole Buddha thing is about rebirth, reincarnation. The Sikhs, reincarnation. You will rise again. You won't, you, you won't understand what that's like now in this life. How could you? But if you understand that there is a supreme loving condition in you that can be connected to through forgiveness, a process of forgiveness, a process of recovery, then maybe some part of you, maybe even just a little drop of it, can trust that you're covered, you're taken care of. And then you can let go of the gripping. I heard I went to a yoga class um, in San Pancho in Mexico. And the teacher said, well, everyone laid down on their mat to do their shavasana. The teacher said, um, allow your body to have a peaceful death. And I, I love that use of language. And I thought, we have a, such a hard time allowing our neighbor to have a peaceful life and allowing ourselves to have a peaceful life and we're so afraid of death that we don't allow ourselves and our neighbors to have a peaceful death. And I would say at the root of that is this idea that we're disconnected from love, from compassion, from mercy and forgiveness. And we need to go back to that. And the going away from it is sin, biblical. The reconnecting to that is repentance, realigning with love, and knowing who God is. God is love, and you are that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You may feel broken that there's no hope for you, or there's no hope for the systems, or there's no hope for the politicians, or there's no hope for your partner or your parents or your, you know, whatever it is you're going through. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is in that darkest hour, in our rock bottom, that we may find a way through. That's where the opportunity for healing is. That's where God is. You know, the come to Jesus moment is a come to love moment when you feel like there's no other hope and you say, please love, help me. Love is faithful. God is kind, perseveres is trustworthy, and will show up, and is there for everyone, especially the poor in spirit. And then, in death, it is not the end. You will be comforted, because God is love. You will be comforted in your mourning. You will be comforted in dying. And that's the end of part one. So thanks for listening and tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. I look forward to sharing part two of the Sermon on the Mount with you all. If you love the show, please rate us, review us, share us with your friends. Uh, join us for some of the programs that we have coming up, all on tiagoprem.com. Read the journal on tiagoprem.com. Uh, a reminder, just like at the start of the show, the YouTube videos are going to come out on Fridays. The Insight Timer Meditations are going to come out on Fridays, and the podcast will continue to come out on Sundays. Um, yeah, I'm really stoked about this series. I hope you're loving it as much as I am. 
Uh, if you want to know about retreats or you're keen to come down and practice in Mexico with me and my partner, we've, we're in the works of uh, creating a space for people to practice. So if you're like, I want to come to Mexico and practice, please tell me, you know, I want a training, I want a retreat, I want both. Uh, just reach out. This is just a little bird saying this could happen potentially. And uh, if you're keen, let me know. I love you all so much. And I'm so grateful to be able to share this work with you. We'll talk to you next episode, part two of the Sermon on the Mount. Right here, I'm Tiago Prem, and this is Revealing the Diamond.